0: Welcome to the Keeping Kids Safe podcast. My name is Karen Cohn. I am the co founder of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety. This is your number one resource for all things related to your child's emotional, physical, and social well being. Now I'd like to introduce my co host and my friend, the executive director of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety, Megan Ferraro. Hi,
1: Karen. I'm so excited that this week we have a truly special guest. He's a three-time Olympic gold medalist, an internationally recognized author and speaker, and he is so critical to our mission of child safety and drowning prevention. It is such an absolute honor and my pleasure to welcome to our show, swimming's greatest ambassador, Rowdy Gaines. Rowdy, it sounds like everyone is getting so excited for the Olympics and their trip to Tokyo. Do you think things are going to be very different this year?
2: Yeah, you know, this is a different world we live in, uh, Megan. You know, it's it's, it's going to be, in fact, I have like, I, I could show you, I have like a stack of documents that high that I have to fill out, you know, negative tests. Uh, I have to make copies of everything, p- uh, passport, all these NBC credentials. Um, I have to get a test 96 hours, 72 hours, 48 hours. Uh, I have to get tested as soon as I land. So it's a different world for sure. But I think our world is also starving for this moment. It's the first time that the whole world has come together, you know, since uh, before the pandemic. So I think it's something that a lot of people are looking forward to just because of that, that, you know, the Olympics is all about a peaceful setting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it's going to be a lot with all the testing, but it's worth it, right?
2: It is. I mean, it, 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 it will always be worth it just because of the fact that uh, it's the Olympic Games.
0: Yeah, I
1: was going to ask you, Rowdy, um, it sounds like there will not be any spectators at the Games. Is that, is that what the final decision has been?
2: I think so, Megan. You know, it, it's constantly changing. I mean, we hear different things every day, uh, but at this moment, as of today, um, there will not be spectators, uh, any spectators, whether it's, uh, Japanese, definitely no international, um, spectators. And, uh, it's really a bummer because, uh, when I was in Omaha, I was talking to a lot of the, uh, the parents of Olympians and that's the biggest thing. Uh, sad part of it all is the fact that they won't be able to go to watch their own children compete in the Olympic games, especially those first time Olympians. I was talking to, for example, I was talking to Ryan Murphy's parents. Uh, he won three gold medals in Rio and they were there in Rio. So they got to experience that. We were just talking about the fact that it was so sad for those parents that have never had that experience. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, they're going to have to cheer them from, from the U.S. Uh, NBC and the USOC is, is doing a great job of trying to make things as as, um, as positive as possible. They've opened up Orlando's Universal Studios. They're offered to fly all the families into Orlando, um, set them up in a hotel, and have big parties at Universal, viewing parties. So they're trying to make things as, as, as good as possible, but it is tough, no doubt.
1: Wow, that's that is incredible. It was really neat to see the families all gathered together and the big groups that came to support each athlete. And it was so neat, especially um, for me on that. I think it was Wednesday evening where everyone was just so excited and, you know, really came together so beautifully. It was so nice.
2: Yeah, it was. It really was. You know, the, the Olympic trials certainly brings out that if you're not familiar with it, it's, it's really the most dramatic meet in the world, including the Olympic games, because it's just so hard to make our Olympic team. Um, uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of events in the United States that if you would, they only take top two, right? First or second. And that's it. A lot of kids, uh, a lot of events like the women's hunter back, you could have finished fifth or sixth there. And that fifth or sixth place finisher would win a medal at the Olympics. That's how good our country is in the sport of swimming and yet they don't even get a chance to go. So when they do finally get that chance, like you said, it's a, it's a beautiful moment.
0: What I was going to say is I loved how during the night sessions that they did the pomp and circumstance for all, for all the qualifiers. I loved that.
2: With yeah. You know, light, you're music. right. Dick. Yeah, you're right, Karen. It, it's so cool how USA sw- USA Swimming and and of course the USOC really m- try to make it special for our kids. When I swam at the Olympic Trials, not to talk about myself, but in 1984 there were probably about 300 people there, and that was all family. You know, uh, we we did it in Indianapolis at a pool. It wasn't even a a pool that was set up in an arena. Um, it's only about 300 kids qualified for it, and uh, here we had like a thousand kids. So it it was, it, it's a completely different animal now and it should be, you know, you should celebrate that, that experience that uh, a kid, I call them kids or adults, a lot of them um, actually get to have at an Olympic trials. They actually try to make an Olympic team because we were figuring it out uh, when I was at US Olympic training camp a couple of days ago and i was sitting there with uh, one of the uh, Olympians, I think it was Caleb Dressel <laughs> and he was saying, you know, there's 400,000 swimmers <laughs> Excuse me. In our country, the USA Swimming, and only point oh 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 four percent make the Olympic team. So it's like oh, the wow. odds are astronomically against you to make the team. And so when it does happen, as you said, it's a celebration.
0: Yeah,
1: so special. So Rowdy, tell us when do you leave for what is your what is the next couple of weeks look like for you?
2: Uh, I I leave or left depending on when this airs July fourteenth. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, uh, I head to Japan pretty soon and, uh, I will be there until August 6th. And then Megan, what I talked to you about, my daughter, um, um, Emily is getting remarried August 7th. So I land in Salt Lake city, August 6th and she gets married the next day. So it's going to be crazy for sure.
0: Oh, wow. That's incredible.
2: Yeah, it's
0: so exciting.
2: Yeah, it is. It, it's great. It's great for her. We're, we're uh, my wife, Judy, and I are very happy for her. And she's got three little girls and um, he's got two little girls. So now I have four daughters and five soon to be five granddaughters. So it's
0: oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> I think I'm done with girls. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You'll definitely go down as a girl, dad and granddad. Oh. for Sure.
2: It'll be on my tombstone, Karen. No <laughs> doubt about it.
0: <laughs> well, that's exciting.
1: I, you know, this morning just came uh, from Teddy's swimming lessons. He's, um, you know, four. So we've been doing swimming lessons for the last awesome. months. And he's starting to make some real progress, right? For the, at first you're like, oh, he got in without crying. This is awesome. And now he's starting to, you know, do his big arms and his kicking. So he's really making a lot of progress which is so exciting to see but man it is really was really so incredible to see just the strength of these athletes that were competing
2: yeah I mean the the uh, the process of growing from that four-year-old um, like you're talking about mm. uh, to getting to be an Olympian is pretty incredible and uh, very few get to actually make it but it all starts very young megan I'm so happy to see him in the water. And I know that was a big deal for you. And um, between you and Karen and I, I know that we've seen a lot of those types of kids through the Zach camps and through our travels together, get in the water and there's nothing better to see those smiles and joy on their face that the water can bring.
1: So when you see a, like a let's use a 12 year old, for example, who wants to be an Olympic athlete one day, what, what would be the top three pieces of advice you would give that
2: child? Um, well, uh, I think the first one is definitely kind of corny and cliche-ish in a way, but it's really is the most important one. I mean, it has to be, you have to have fun. Um, I know that's kind of an old saying like, oh yeah, have fun. But people ask me all the time, Megan, what was the number one reason why you won a gold medal? And I tell them each and every time that it was because I love swimming. I loved being in the water. I loved the passion um, and the feel that I had of being one with the water being comfortable in the water. And, and I always said that the number one reason is because I love swimming. And so, and that starts very young, even though I didn't start until I was 17, it has to start young. So that 12 year old, the first and foremost thing has to be, you have to have fun. I think the second thing is communication. You know, I think you have to communicate with your family and your coaches on the process. I was talking about the process, you know, this, the journey, because there's going to be times where you don't want to get in the water, you know, and there's going to be times where you hate swimming. And there, I had those times I think for me, the word was consistency, but I think it helped me a lot in, in being able to communicate, uh, not so much with my family, which I did but to communicate with my coaches, my teammates and everything that helped a lot. Uh, so have fun communication. And, uh, I think the last one would be uh, consistency, you know, to be able to be consistent on the patterns that you develop. You know, I don't know about you, but I like routine in my life. I don't like to break up the routine. I like to get up in the morning and go for my swim down the street, there's a pool about a half a block away, It's like 15 yards long. So I go down and swim. Even though we have a pool in our backyard, it's a little short. Um, I come back. I have my oatmeal. Uh, I come to work. I work them, start work. I, I just like routine, and I liked routine when I was a swimmer. It was Routine was very important for me. So uh, as a 12-year-old, I think you really need to develop those good habits of having a routine.
0: Yeah. And I always love to, I love when you share your story too, about how you actually didn't start swimming and you didn't find swimming until you were 17. You just mentioned that briefly now, but I always love for you to share that too, because even if it isn't a sport that you find or really any sport that you find when you're younger, you can still start and do well, uh, you know, in your later teen years.
2: And and Karen, you're so right. And that's, that's the message. I think that's the one message I try to get across to our Zach, Zach camp kids is the fact that it's never too late. You know, I'm living proof of some skinny little punk kid from winter Haven, Florida, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to have this dream inside and to be able to achieve that dream. And believe me, if I can do it with, you know, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of, uh, I don't want to say gifts, uh, because I do believe that I was born with a gift, but, uh, really the, the cards stacked against me for sure. Um, than uh, then anybody can. And, you know, I tried out for five other sports before I tried out for something. I went out for football, baseball, basketball, golf, and tennis, and I got cut in each one. And so that message to those kids is always be, you know, and again, it's, a, you know, here I come up with another cliche is you just never give up on your dreams. Um, because my belief that, and this is the truth. I, I think we are all put on this earth for a very specific purpose. Um, and, uh, sometimes it takes a little longer to figure out what that purpose is. Uh, I think Zach was put on this earth for a very specific purpose. And, uh, I think he's showing that right now, you know, of what, what his family has been able to accomplish in his memory. And so for me, it was, um, it was something that I try to tell children across, um, every platform that it doesn't have to be swimming can be anything you want it to be. For me, it just happened to be swimming.
0: That's right. I I think
2: my, I think my tombstone will probably read besides the fact that I'm the tombstone will read girl, dad, girl, grandpa. It'll probably (laughs) read rowdy games dash swimmer. And, uh, and that's okay. I, I, am okay with that. You know, I'm okay with being remembered as a swimmer. You know, uh, I love our sport and I love, um, I love the water very much.
0: And you've also been so successful in your announcing as well. Hmm. Um, I don't know that I know that we know the story of how you transitioned to announcing.
2: I don't think I've ever talked about it with you and Megan. I, I, so you're way too young to remember. Megan is way too young to remember, but there used to be, there used to be this sporting event called battle of the network stars. And they they would have these different network celebrities compete against each other. So ABC, CBS, you know, NBC, they'd all compete in, in a bunch of sports. And one of the sports would be swimming. And so this fledgling network called ESPN back in 1985, asked me to, commentate on the swimming. It was here in Orlando, Florida. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll come in. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but that, that was the start of it. And just kind of one thing led to another. And, uh, next thing, you know, I'm calling my eighth Olympics and 35 years later, I'm still doing it.
0: And you do it with such verve and <laughs> excitement. You love it. You love it.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I. I don't know half as much as some, you know, people that, you know, know the technical part of the sport, but you can't deny my love for swimming. That's for sure. And I think that's one reason why I continue to do it and um can, I continue to thrive is because I just love the sport so much and uh I hope that comes across especially in the Olympic Games where nobody knows anything about swimming. I mean, it's funny, Karen, I get asked, "What are those flags for? What's the it's a starting platform. What's that thing on the back of the starting platform? What are those lane? Why are the markers in the pool of different colors? I mean, it, it really is, uh, something that you really have to begin with, uh, teaching somebody all about swimming at the Olympic games. And so mm-hmm. the Olympics is not the technical part. It's more about telling the stories of the athletes, you know, uh, any laser, I'll give you a quick example, Annie laser who made the Olympic team in the 200 breaststroke, um, finished third in the 100, finished third in the 100 uh, five years ago at the trials, and her father passed away about two months before the Olympic trials. And, you know, her teammates kind of wrapped their arms around her, and it, it, a lot more details than that, but it was just, you know, her story was really genuinely a story that you really were pulling for, and we hope to be able to tell that story in Japan.
1: Well, I can tell you, of that passion that, that you're describing comes through the TV screen. So it's one of my favorite parts about watching the Olympics is hearing not just you, but all the announcers who are so dedicated and committed to the athletes, to the sport, and to conveying that energy to everybody watching from their home. So I think especially for an Olympics where there won't be spectators, um, that's such an important element to bring to those of us that wish we could be there.
2: Oh my gosh, that's so funny, Megan, You say that, no spectators. They'll hear me. (laughs) <laughs> right now my voice is going to stand out it's going to like echo in the whole place when I'm starting to scream bloody murder as they come down the stretch. So, uh, that'll be, that'll be a fun part of it all for sure. They're going to have to like put me in a box. Cause you know, first they said they were going to allow Japanese fans, but no cheering, no clapping. You couldn't yell. And I was thinking, how am I going to do this? You know, they're going to have to put me like in a glass cage or something because there's no way I'm going to be able to, you know, call a race without yelling you know or getting into it uh so yeah that it'll be fun to be there and uh, call a lot of really great races
1: and will dan hicks be there with you
2: yeah dan dan and i will be calling our seventh olympic games together we started in 1996 in atlanta and have been together ever since and it's the longest uh anybody ever has worked together in Olympic history. So we're, we're pretty proud of that. And, uh, so it's, uh, it's pretty cool.
0: Yes. You both, you have such a natural relationship with each other.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Karen, he, he's such a great guy, such a kind and gentle soul. Um, I think that's one reason why we work together so well, because we really do, uh, First of all, have a lot of respect for each other. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really consider him a huge mentor of mine. Um, I love him very much. He's, he's, he's a very, very dear friend of mine. And uh, his wife, Hannah, is a great friend. Hannah Storm does ESPN. So mm-hmm. between the two of them, they've always been very supportive. So I love the family very much. And he's got three girls. So he's got all girls, too. So we, we were able to lament with each other for sure.
0: Right. (laughs) That's so great. Actually, I don't think I knew that he had three girls.
2: Yeah. Great honors. (laughs) (laughs) I got him beat.
0: That's right. You do. (laughs) I think you just have to wait a little bit longer because his girls are a little younger, right?
2: Yeah, they are. Well, they're all they're empty nesters. So they're all in, in college or a little beyond. I think they're like. Twenty three, twenty, and eighteen, something like that. So they're 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 pretty much empty nesters now. You'll be getting there soon, Karen. You too, Megan. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> Megan. Do you see that in your future ever?
2: <laughs> oh, right.
1: <laughs> it feels like I know they always say the they say the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I can tell you with with a high degree of certainty that the last year has felt so long
2: being oh, 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 oh. in my house. I can't even imagine. Pandemic. Right. I mean, that's just incredible that you have to, you have to, you've had to endure this pandemic with uh, young children. i always felt very, yeah, felt really bad. I felt, you know, bad for everybody you know, with children, regardless of how old, but uh, that had to be very difficult, you know? And uh, so Everything else is going to be a piece of cake now, Megan.
1: I know. How could anything else seem hard again?
2: Right.
1: <laughs> we got all the hard stuff out of the way and we've just I'm planning to go in I turn 40 in a few weeks and I'm planning oh my God. that the next decade is going to just be a breeze. Yes, everyone's got a great foundation laid for them
0: and it's gonna, right. it has to be. I'm just manifesting it. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) If I manifest it, it will become true.
1: Tell us who are the athletes we should be looking for. Of course, we know the big, big names of the athletes that were in the last Olympic Games. But who are those that are maybe newer to the sport or younger to the Olympic Games and that we haven't heard much about before?
2: First of all, you're going to look at the two big superstars that we have in the sport, and that's Caleb Dressel. He's the best male swimmer in the world. And you've got Katie Ledecky, who is the greatest female swimmer in history. So those two alone will win a lot of medals. Uh, Caleb's got a chance to win up to seven medals. Katie has a chance to win up to, like, five or six medals. Um... And, and then it just kind of filters down from there. You know, you still have Ryan Murphy coming back, the best backstroker in the world who won uh, three golds in Rio. Um, you've got Simone Manuel who made the 50 freestyle. She didn't make the 100, but she made the 50. She, she'll be back. Um, and then uh, Lily King, of course, in the breaststroke. She's the, she won gold in Rio. Um, and then you've got a lot of young kids. Uh, they're, they're like 11 teenagers on this team in 2021. And it's crazy how young, um, and new these kids are to the sport. I mean, you've got a a young 15 year old named Katie Grimes who made the 800 freestyle. And literally that was the event that Katie Ledecky made back in 2012 when she was 15. Uh, and then you've got Mm -hmm. this, this girl named Tori Husk, who's uh, 16 that's really good. Could, could win a gold medal. Um, And then you've got a lot of young guys that not a lot of people have heard of, and we're going to have to do our job in telling their stories. So it's a really young team for sure. Um, This kid, Michael Andrew, who's really, really good, um, 22, um, and he's been around a long time, but his first Olympic team, he'll swim two, three, four, five events um, and could medal in all five. So it's uh, pretty wild, uh, the the, the great stories that we're going to be able to tell about all these athletes.
1: You posted a picture recently of um, you jumping up and high-fiving fans after you won uh, your Olympic gold medal, and um, it just is such a beautiful picture and so nice to look back upon. I don't think I really was watching the Olympics when you were last, when you when you swam.
2: Um, no, you wouldn't have. I appreciate anybody that cheers for a swimmer. (laughs) We don't get a lot of that in between the Olympic games. So when we do get it, I I certainly try to show that appreciation.
1: Actually, I think it's that picture behind you over your right shoulder.
2: Yes, Megan. Uh, This is, uh, uh, this is the cover of my book, but uh, so, yeah, so this is, this is uh, the picture right there. Can you see it? Uh So I, uh, this won a Pulitzer Prize, believe it or not. Really? Um, this is ha- hanging in a museum, in, in the um, Pulitzer Museum in Washington, D.C. It's pretty cool, right? Wow, um, incredible. Yeah, so it, it's actually the picture of me and my teammates. Those are, those are actually teammates of mine who sat in the uh, far end of the 50-meter pool. So when we walked around the pool after we got our medal, mm. we were able to uh, – we were able to, you know, reach up and try to uh, thank my teammates. So those were uh, – I, I did the same thing with fans going around, but it was really my teammates that I kind of stood there and really um, soaked it all in because there's no way I would have won without them either. You know, I, I talk about winning three gold medals and giving one to my mom and one of my dad and one of my coach. And I always say I wish I could have won 40 because I would have given one to each one of my teammates on that team because we really were uh, a big family.
1: Well, knowing your story and what it took for you to get to that Olympic Games, having seen was it a 30 for 30 that ESPN did? Yeah. Yeah. He, having heard you tell your story over the years and then seeing the 30 for 30 and then seeing that picture, I get emotional when I see it because, man, you had to work hard to to be at that Olympic Games and, and to win those medals. And it's just such a neat story that you have.
2: Oh, well, thank you, Megan. I, I certainly wasn't the best swimmer. I mean, uh, I So I won the 100 freestyle, I was seated third going in from the preliminaries, and, and to be quite honest with you, it, of those eight swimmers, I probably should have been fifth or sixth. Um, we could have swam that race 10 times, and I probably would have won been fifth or sixth in nine of them. <laughs> and, uh, but I just had that one magical moment in, in 84. Now in 1980, I would have been the best swimmer because uh, I was at the peak of my career, and of course, we didn't go in 1980 because of the boycott, but uh, in 84, I was I was kind of hanging on by the skin of my teeth, and uh, and just, it was, you know, it was certainly, it was simply magical the way it all went down. I just swam the perfect race, and my coach prepared me perfectly, uh, it and was, it, was, it was pretty cool.
1: I imagine that you were able to provide a lot of insight for athletes that thought they were going to the Olympics last year. I mean, what a unique story that you have and no one ever could have predicted that the Olympic Games would have been postponed.
2: No, you're so right, Megan. I've probably been on at least 100 Zoom calls, podcasts, stuff like that with teams around the country uh, because a lot of the coaches reach out to me and ask me to, hey, can you speak to my team? A lot of pro teams, college teams, club teams. And because I can empathize uh, with them, Now, what I went through was really devastating to an athletic career. Um, What we've all gone through uh, the last year and a half, you know, it's a matter of life and death. So it it, it is a little bit apples and oranges, the comparison, but I can certainly feel their pain in having that delay, the the emotions of denial and anger and then, you know, complete sadness that just overwhelms you. And then, um, you know, you, you, you turn the corner and you start to accept it. Um, and then you start getting motivated and that's kind of the emotions I felt. And I'm sure these kids over the last year and a half in all walks of life have have all felt that. I mean, you felt that Karen's felt that your children have felt that. And so, um, for me, I was very fortunate. i got a great team of, Uh, the support around me and I was able to hang on until 1984. Incredible. Well, I don't know about incredible, incredible people are, you know, fighting for us every day overseas and protecting our country, our first responders. Those are, those are incredible, but it's pretty cool. I am pretty cool. That's for sure. (laughs) No kidding. Well, it's pretty cool that you...
0: I think you're pretty cool. That's for sure. <laughs> you've accomplished
1: all those goals and, you know, you've also given so much of your life to water safety and drowning prevention, right? You haven't just focused on your career um, as it relates to, you know, earning your income and, and things like that, but, but by giving back to so many kids around the country. So that is pretty incredible.
2: Well, thanks, Megan, and and you know I, I get to work with. I talk to you about my team, and tr- you know when I'm trying to move forward and going to the Olympics. I have a great team around me here, and you and and Karen and Brian and the entire Cone family, and, and all, the, all the Zach board. You know, I love it when we all get together in person, more so than Zoom. Even though Zoom still is cool. Uh, it's so great to get, in per, uh, um, be there in person with all of us together and, and go to dinner the night before a board meeting, have some laughs and, you know, and really try to get together and figure out, you know, what the next steps are and try and prevent drowning. That's to me is, is definitely worthy and something I'm, I, I don't know. I, I think I've been with y'all for about 10 years now. Right. And so it's, it's pretty special for sure. Is it ten years? Has it been that long? Almost. I my. I'll never forget because the first time I came to Greenwich was with Janet Evans, That's and right. she was training for the 2012 Olympics. Remember, she had to get her practice in and everything. And uh, so it was almost ten years ago, right? So it's uh, you know it's. Uh, I've, I've loved our relationship and I've loved what um, the Zach Foundation has been able to do for children across the country.
0: Well, we feel so fortunate having you as part of our team. And you really have been with us since the beginning. I think it was 2011 because that's when our first Zach camp was in Greenwich. So 10 years, definitely 10 yeah. years.
2: So, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. I don't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday, but it's funny how you remember certain specific things and... Yeah. You know, I remember the. I remember every detail about the dinners that we would go to with the the board the night before. I remember every single Zach camp um, from St. Louis to Chicago to Greenwich. I mean, all over Atlanta. I mean, we've been we've been all over the country. Um, Orlando, my hometown, um, and so uh, yeah, it's a uh, ten years long time. I'm 41. Let's see, it's <laughs> not quarter of my life. Hey, whoa, what do you left? people are doing the math they're going you're 41 wait a second if you swam in the 1984 Olympics, boy you would have had to been like five years old (laughs) that's right and don't you forget it
1: way well you know rowdy um the un declared july 25th World Drowning Prevention Day, which is my fortieth birthday. So
2: no way. Not funny. <laughs> oh my gosh! How appropriate, right? It's
0: synchronous. It's synchronous. Right. I keep telling her it's synchronous.
2: Dang, that is, and that's the first day of the Olympics. <laughs> oh, cool! I didn't. Oh my gosh!
1: That I thought the Olympics started the twenty
2: sixth. That's so neat. Yeah. No, they start the twenty fifth. Oh,
1: we need to have a big party that day.
2: Right. Yes. Right. If you do, do zoom me in. I'll zoom you in. I'll zoom in. Although I'm 12 hours different. So you're going to, if you're having a party at eight o'clock at night, I'll have to zoom you at eight o'clock in the morning in Japan. (laughs) You can have a little
1: um, mimosa, orange juice with your champagne.
2: There you go. There you go. (laughs) Right before we go on air. That'll be great. (laughs) Because, you know, the finals are in the morning over there. Interesting. Yeah. Because they'll be live in prime time here.
1: So cool. Wow. Yeah. What a neat experience that's going to be. Yeah. Now will they have like an Olympic village that the media will stay in or will you stay in a more traditional hotel setting?
2: We'll stay in a hotel. Yeah. NBC rents out basically an entire hotel. So, uh, the Odaiba Hilton, I think. And, uh, we're right there in the smack dab in the middle of it. And, you know, there's a lot of protocols that we're going to have to follow. We have to basically self quarantine for three or four days. And then we're only allowed to go from the hotel to the venue, uh, for 14 days, but that's fine with me anyway. Make that's all I do anyway. I don't go anywhere, any Olympics before, so I'm not going to change my routine now. And I'm there to do a job. So I literally go from the pool, back to the hotel. So for me, it's no big deal.
0: We want to wish you all the best in Tokyo, safe travels, and hopefully you'll um, have a, um, you know what, is that, can you hear my dog barking? A little bit, but probably just as much as you can hear my kids
1: chatting in the next
2: room. <laughs> or you can hear my cat or see my cat jump up. So I, know I want to be to fun her. for everybody. I know exactly. Dogs and kids and cats. Yes. It's, it's for a family. What else would anybody expect? We're not professional this. We're family, right? We're families getting together, having a chat. This is great. People love it.
0: That's right. Well, we want to say thank you so much for talking with us today. And we are thrilled to wish you all the best while you're in Tokyo. And we'll see you when you're back.
2: Thank you, Karen, very much. I look forward to... uh coming up and spending some time with you guys um give brian and all the kids uh my very best give them a big hug tell them i love them very much and megan you do the same and i'll see you guys soon okay
0: sounds great good luck
2: Thanks.
0: this is megan ferraro and karen Cohn from the zach foundation and we look forward to speaking with you again soon